0: Good evening. evening. We are attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Dr. Alan Deuce is going to help us do that through the preaching of the word. The uh, Nazarene Bible College Youth Choir is going to help us do that through music. Wow. A lot of plane was coming in. Youth choir, is it going to work? Or are we going to land? Take your Bibles with me if you would like, and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And while you're turning, why don't you help me say thank you to these very fine young people and Dr. Grimo, who has taken over our music program and is doing an extraordinary job for us here at Nazarene Bible College. We appreciate his vision. We appreciate what he's done to expand, to continue to expand the ministry of music here through NBC. We look forward to great days ahead. And it's fun for me to look up there because I was getting flashbacks from whenever I was involved with a handbell choir. My hands are really, really cold right now because I'm thinking about playing handbells and singing at the same time, and I know I couldn't do it, and so I celebrate what these folk have done here for us this evening, the good stuff that was there. It also causes me to try to remember high school. and. Now, that's a little more of a challenge, but uh, certain memories stand out. In 1978, 30 years ago, I was a junior in high school. Now, the math means I'm 46. I was a junior in high school... And I was like many of the high school students that I know, I was uh, very self-assured. Can I say it that way? I was pretty confident of myself. I was at the top of my class in my high school academically, but that's not saying a lot because it was a very small high school. I was competing on the state level in public speaking contests and having a great time doing that. I was doing a few other things and I felt really, really good about myself and I thought I had the world by the tail. Not only that, I, I had some very definite, specific plans for where I wanted to go with my life. I, I loved animals and have been involved with being around animals my whole life. I wanted to be a veterinarian. And I really felt like that, that in that way I could do something where I could make a positive contribution. I I could do something I enjoyed that would be positive and make a contribution and would also provide reasonable financial security for me and for any any future family that I might have. I also knew I wanted my life to be exciting. I knew I wanted it to be fun. I I knew that that I wanted a lot of good things to be happening and I knew that that I had this path lined out for me to help me get there. You know, I, I wanted to get there. And then in 1978, at the end of my junior year in high school, the Lord started to talk to me. And he, it wasn't that he began to talk to me then, but he began to talk to me about Christian ministry. And God began to say, Alan, I want you to commit your life to vocational Christian ministry. Full-time Christian ministry the rest of your life. And I was like, God, you have got the wrong number no way this does not fit in with my plans for my life at all does that sound familiar to anybody at all in this room but i can tell you this evening that when i chose to go god's way i discovered that there is nothing more exciting more fulfilling more challenging and more adventure packed than living in the center of God's will, doing the ministry that God has called you to do with your life. When Jan and I went to our first church, Jackie was the Sunday school superintendent. Now, Jackie was one of those people in the church that you just knew she was always going to be there. She was a good and godly woman, and she was an excellent churchman. She was there first person on Sunday morning, and you knew she'd be there to lock the building up on Sunday evening and any time anything needed to be. There was Jackie taking care of things in the life of the church. Jackie's husband, Roger, was not a Christian. He didn't want to have anything to do with the church. He didn't believe in God and didn't want to have anything to do with God at all. In fact, Roger told Jackie when Jan went to pastor that church before we got married, Roger told Jackie, tell that new preacher lady not to bother to come by our house, not to come and greet me. I don't want to hear from her. I don't need anything from the church. You have that in your life and that's fine, but you just tell her she needn't bother to come by and see me we began to pray for Roger with Jackie. And as social occasions provided opportunity, we began to build relationship with Roger. And over time, Roger would occasionally visit the church for special events and other kinds of things that were happening. We prayed and we fasted and we built relationship with him. And there came a day when we began to see his attendance become more and more regular. And I will never forget the Sunday morning that we gave the invitation and we watch Roger walk down that aisle, run down that aisle, and throw himself across the altar and with great emotion commit his life to God through Jesus Christ. And today Roger is a very effective pastor in the Church of the Nazarene. There is nothing more exciting more life-fulfilling. There is no greater adventure that you could experience in this world than being involved in Christian ministry. Sean. Sean was a high school student. Sean was this really sharp young guy who came to church with his friend Todd and and Sean came from a broken family that it would be kind to call his family dysfunctional And, and when he came to the church he was just somebody that I connected with and we began to build a friendship and he would occasionally come over and we would just hang out at our apartment and talk and, 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 and one night he came over really, really late and, and Jan came and got me and she said, Alan, Sean's at the door and it was super late and, and so I went in and we sat down and had a Coke and started to talk and, and, and we talked for a while and, and then he said to me, you know, I just came from my girlfriend's house and we were starting to have sex. And I said, I just can't do it anymore. And he got up and got dressed and, and came immediately to our apartment and we talked and we prayed and Sean committed his life to God through Jesus Christ. Today Sean is a graduate several times of a very fine Christian university and he's serving God as a Christian counselor trying to help other people who have experienced the same kind of pain and problems in their lives that he did. Christian ministry is the greatest adventure that you could ever experience in the world. When God called me to be a pastor, I had no idea what I was getting into. I mean, I was terrified. I was really, really afraid that I wouldn't be able to feed my family I was really, really afraid that I would be bored to death with my job. I was super afraid that I was going to become like a lot of the pastors that I had known and and that I didn't have a great deal of respect for. But I discovered that I didn't need to be afraid. I needed to trust God. I needed to say yes to the most exciting, most challenging, most wonderful life adventure that you could ever possibly imagine. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy. Let's assume that 2 Timothy is about the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy for the sake of discussion. And in this conversation, he is talking to Timothy about this life of Christian ministry, this adventure of Christian ministry. Let me read a few verses for you in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead... And in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but also To all who have longed for His appearing. The Apostle Paul was talking to Timothy about this great adventure of ministry that he was in. And he said to him, first thing here in chapter 4, verse 1, look at it with me. He said to him, Timothy, you have been called and you have been commissioned by God Himself. Look at it. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of His appearing at His kingdom, you have been called and commissioned by God Himself. Get this picture because I can see this is really warming your hearts. Get this picture. In Acts chapter 16, Paul, on one of his missionary journeys, stopped where Timothy lived And he recruited Timothy to travel with him as part of his ministry team. Now, the rest of the book of Acts shows us Timothy traveling with Paul or being sent to other places by the Apostle Paul to do the work of the ministry. Then, ten, count them, ten of the letters in the New Testament, ten besides Acts, which is not a letter, ten of the letters in the book of Acts record or mention activities of Timothy. Six of the Apostle Paul's letters mention Timothy as a co-author. And two of the letters, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, that we're looking at this evening, are addressed directly to Timothy himself. And you say, well, that's just grand, Alan, but... but, but, uh, Dr. Dan has already taught us about that and I passed that quiz, so what? (laughs) My point is this, Timothy is not new to ministry. By the time the Apostle Paul is writing this, he is at the end of his life and his ministry. And that means that Timothy has been doing ministry together with Paul or as Paul's representative or at Paul's instruction for many years. So why is Paul talking to Timothy like this, like he's some new recruit? I mean, this guy has been a minister. He's been a pastor. He's been an evangelist for years. Why is Paul talking to him like this? And it's because Timothy, just like us, needs to be reminded from time to time that the reason he was doing what he was doing was because he had been called and commissioned by God to do the work of the ministry. Paul was speaking God's words directly to Timothy. And I believe God through Paul, is speaking to us this evening. You're here tonight, Nazarene Bible College family. You are here tonight because somewhere, back home, somewhere, God started to talk to you or to your spouse or to both of you, and He called you or your spouse or your both or both of you to serve Him in full-time Christian ministry. And so what did you do? You quit your jobs, you, you sold precious possessions, and you said goodbye to your loved ones and to your loving church families, and, and you said goodbye to all of your wonderful friends, and you loaded up the truck and you moved to... Colorado. And here you are. And tonight, on the authority of the Word of God, I am here to remind you that you are not here by accident. Your being in Colorado Springs at Nazarene Bible College is not a mistake. You are here because you have been called and commissioned by God Himself. God has called you to the adventure of Christian ministry and there is nothing that is more exciting and more fulfilling and more challenging and more adventure-packed than living at the center of God's will and doing the ministry that God has called you to do. God Himself has called you and commissioned you to be in this place at this time. And that means, Paul goes on to say to Timothy, that God has called you to preach and to teach the Word of God. Look at verse 2. Preach the Word, skip over, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. In other words, let me say it this way. Correct, rebuke, and encourage by preaching and teaching the Word of God. Paul goes on to say there are two reasons that our ministry must be centered on the Word of God, and both of them have to do with people's ears. He says the first reason is because all people want is to have their ears tickled, right? They never want the whole truth. They want truth light. They want the truth that is fun and that makes you feel good all over. They, they don't want the truth that talks about cost or commitment or challenge in their lives and the second reason he says that our ministry must center on the word of God is because when people don't like the word that they hear they will turn their ears completely away from what they have heard the truth and they will search for alternative truths myths other religions, other expressions that they hope will be truth. And he says you must preach and teach the Word of God so that no one can be misled. God has called us and commissioned us to be about the business of preaching and teaching the Word of God. And right in the middle of that, right in the middle of that, Paul says something fascinating. Right in the center there of verse 2, do you see it? He says, you have got to be prepared. You have got to be prepared to do this ministry. We must be prepared for the ministry of preaching and teaching the Word of God. We must be prepared for the ministry that God has called and commissioned us to do. And being prepared means we have to get prepared. And that is what you are doing right now here at NBC You know, there are a lot of aspects of preparation that can occur and should occur throughout a lifetime of ministry. All of us who are here, I don't care how long we've been in ministry, have to continue to retool and continue to be prepared to do the ministry that we've been called to. And there are a lot of aspects of preparation that can occur while we are doing the work of the ministry. But it is absolutely essential... It is absolutely essential that we lay a strong foundation if we are going to be effective ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You must be prepared. You must be prepared. Now, can I tell you a truth that you already know? Sure. Lots of response to that one. Thank you, chaplain. Thank you. You know, I'm reminded of a story from my first church that I won't tell you. This season, this season of preparation, this season of preparation is probably some of the hardest ministry time you will ever face. Can I get a witness? This season of preparation, now I know that there are a lot of folks around who will occasionally say to you, oh, you think it's bad at, at, at NBC. You just wait till you get out in the real ministry. Sorry, been there, done that, and this is tough. I understand. I do understand. I understand the stress of ministry preparation. I remember being in college preparing for ministry. I remember working. and and taking way too many classes at the same time, trying to complete a number of degrees at the same time, and traveling on the weekends and doing ministry all at the same time. And I remember awakening in a hospital, flat of my back, getting a blood transfusion, because I almost bled to death from an ulcer in my stomach. I understand the stress of ministry preparation. I also understand another dimension of the stress of ministry preparation. One great teacher used to say, the devil goes to church every Sunday. May I paraphrase and suggest to you that the enemy comes to Nazarene Bible College every day? If we are here and we are preparing to do the greatest work under heaven, we are here preparing to snatch the souls of men and women and boys and girls out of the gates of hell and bring them out of darkness into the light of the truth of God. If that is what we are about here at NBC, don't you believe that the enemy of our souls will oppose us? Of course he will. But how often do we really allow ourselves to acknowledge that some of the pain and the problems and the fears and the doubts and the discouragements and the uncertainties that we are experiencing in these days are driven by the enemy of our souls. Can I say to you, NBC student, Satan does not want you to graduate from Nazarene Bible College. I don't mean your mother-in-law. I mean the enemy (laughs) does not want you to graduate. I shouldn't have said that one from Nazarene Bible College. Satan does not want for you to become a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there is a God who has called you and commissioned you and challenged you to become a preacher and a teacher of the Word of God. And His first step for you is to prepare to be an effective minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you may say to me, you don't understand, Alan. I've got all these problems that I've got to deal with in my life. And I say back to you, I may understand better than you think. But that is where I hear the Apostle speaking God's Word to us when he says, Be prepared, get prepared, get prepared academically and get prepared by dealing with the other things that are happening in your life. I am not diminishing the kinds of problems that I know many of us face in our lives. I am suggesting that part of our responsibility while we are here at NBC is to focus on helping God to help us deal with the problems that could be impediments to us as we engage in ministry, recognizing the enemy will be opposing us at this same time. Whatever your issues and your problems may be. You may say to me, Alan, you don't understand. I've got family problems. I've got marital problems. I've got financial problems. I'm dealing with these emotional problems or problems from my background. Or I have these other kinds of problems. Sin problems. Spiritual problems. Whatever they may be, let me suggest to you that you get prepared by helping God help you. Part of the reason God has called you to this place is because He has brought together at Nazarene Bible College enormous resources that are available for you if you will take advantage of them. And let me encourage you, get prepared. Get prepared. The apostle Paul buried him here between preaching and teaching because he knew how essential it was that we be prepared. Ministry is the greatest adventure that you could ever possibly embark upon. You are here because that is what God has called you and told you that he wanted for you to do with your life. And Paul looks at us like he looked at Timothy and says to us, if that's true, and it is, then do your duty. That's the last phrase there in verse, oh, I lost it. My Bible closed on me. Well, I know it's there. Oh, there it is, verse 5. Oh, you know, I'll do anything to get the crowd back. Okay, verse 5, that last phrase, do your duty. Now, I'm baby boomer enough not to like that phrase, but I have to wrestle through it. So let me say this. When I took my first pastoral ministry assignment, I had spent eight years in college and in seminary. Now some of you are getting there, but you're not there yet. I, well, not all of you. I had spent eight years in college and in seminary pursuing the education that the church told me that I needed to pursue and I had two bachelor's and two master's degrees from very fine Nazarene schools and I figured after all the suffering and money and time and energy and everything that I had been through at at those schools that they ought to just go ahead immediately and give me an assignment as a general superintendent. I mean I figured I deserved it by then. Any of you feel that way? And instead, you know what they did? They sent Jan and me out to this little home mission church. Wow! Now, many people have compared the relationship between a church and a pastor to the relationship between a husband and a wife. And some of us are going to leave Nazarene Bible College and we're going to say we have sacrificed, given up everything, come to NBC, spent this season of preparation. We have done all these things. And we were looking so forward to them sending us out to this wonderful, glorious church, this beautiful Rachel church. And instead we awakened and found we were with Leah. Now, if you didn't laugh, let me remind you of the biblical story. (laughs) Jacob fell in love with beautiful Rachel, and he worked seven long years, but it seemed like nothing, in order to win his beautiful bride. But his wicked future father-in-law deceived him. Sorry, I've been watching Lord of the Rings, and it's just coming out. (laughs) Deceived him and he awakened to find that he had the ugly stepsister. Well, she's really the sister, but stepsister just feels really good for me. He awakened to find that he had this stepsister that nobody would want instead. How many of you know that district superintendents are deceitful above all people? I have that on the authority of one DS and one DS's wife. DS's lie. Well, OK. Now maybe we don't want to say that, but let's agree on this. District superintendents very often are more straightforward than they are on other occasions. And the fact of the matter is, some churches are a lot more like Leah than they are like Rachel. In fact, NBC family, I would go so far as to suggest to you that most churches are more like Leah than they are like Rachel. But let me remind you of a few things about that story, if I may. You see, it was Leah, it was Leah who gave Jacob six of his twelve sons and his only daughter. It was Leah to whom was born Judah, from whom came the Lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, our Messiah, bless His name. Now now Rachel had Joseph, and Rachel won Jacob's heart. But eventually, Jacob was buried with Leah. Most of you are going to leave Nazarene Bible College and you're going to go out there hoping against hope that you're going to be assigned to that priceless Rachel beautiful church and you're going to awaken on Monday morning to find out that her name is Leah. And you're going to call me bad names and maybe call me on the phone or call Prof. Light, or call somebody else here and say, why didn't you tell me the churches could be like this? Please call, I want to talk about it. And I'm going to remind you that most of the churches are more like Leah than they are like Rachel. I'm also going to remind you that Leah is one of the most intriguing individuals in the Scripture. She just desperately wanted to be loved. And when Jacob loved her just a little bit, she built him a tribe. Can I say to you that God is calling you to go out there and to love those Leah churches, to do your duty to endure the hardship and to love those churches, and if you will, God will help you to build the kingdom of God. Paul is talking in our text to Timothy about a lifetime of ministry among churches, and every one of those churches had problems. None of those churches was perfect. All our churches have problems. None of our churches are perfect. But that would be surprising, wouldn't it? Because none of us is perfect. Where would we find pastors for perfect churches? There are none. But we do serve a perfect God who is incredibly good at calling and preparing and sending us out and empowering us for this great adventure of ministry. And Paul is saying to us this evening, do your duty. Do your duty. Why? Because it's worth it. Verse 8, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Paul said, Timothy, I'm looking back over a lifetime of serving Christ, and I wouldn't do it any other way. Of course there have been tough times, but it's been wonderful, and it's been worth it. Why? Because Jesus Christ is who He says He is, and always does what He promises He will do, and you can trust Him. Paul didn't have any doubts. He trusted Jesus. Paul was in jail, if I understand the story correctly, about to be beheaded for sharing Christ with Caesar himself. You know, the Apostle Paul spent more time in jail than most of the convicted felons that I know. And yet he could say to Timothy, I wouldn't have had it any other way. God has called me and commissioned me to this ministry and it's worth it, Timothy. Hang in there, Timothy. Preach and teach the word of God. He has called you to do this. He has sent you out. Do your duty. It's worth it. You can trust Jesus. And God has said to every one of you what he said to me 30 years ago. Put aside your secular pursuits. Put aside your other careers. As exciting and as wonderful as those things can be. Commit your entire focus to serving me. God has called us to be a part of the greatest adventure we could ever experience. You know, one man said that the great tragedy today is that you can live a trivial life and get away with it. But pastors, future pastors, we cannot We cannot. We have been called and commissioned by God Himself to take part in this great adventure of ministry. Jesus has a place of service for you. And He has sent you to Nazarene Bible College to prepare yourself. Sure, it's tough. Sure, there are going to be a lot of difficult days ahead. But is anything worthwhile ever easy? and we have this promise if we will endure the hardship do our duty embrace this adventure with passion with joy with hope in god one day we will receive that crown of righteousness from christ himself wow pastors look up trust god keep moving there is nothing like the adventure of serving God in the ministry to which He has called you, so do it. Bless His name. Amen. 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 Okay, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for these men and women of faith who are here tonight because of you, Lord, you have called us, you have commissioned us. And Lord, we want to say tonight, first God, I want to ask you by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to rebuke the enemy off of every man and woman in this room and their families and all of our other students who are not in this room tonight. God, we lift them up and cry out to you for your blessing, for your protection on their minds and hearts and lives. We pray, oh God, that you would help us to see Jesus, to hear again your voice as you spoke to us and as you are speaking and calling to us. You sent us here, Lord. Help us to serve you with joy and faithfulness for Christ's sake. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.